0: Welcome to Desert Island Geek. Each episode, we welcome one self-confessed geek to our deserted island, but there's a catch. They may bring five and only five of their most essential geek items they simply cannot live without. In this programme, we're joined by Neil Dixon, the maker of things real, virtual and wordish. It states on his website that in the morning he makes useful things in leather, during the day does web dev for BitesizeTV.com, and at night writes historical thrillers and speculative fiction alongside drawing and getting wet in the Atlantic surf. Neil was also the former customs officer of the desert island. I say former as due to the incident the island has been inhabitable since late 2008 until now hence we have started to open up entry to the island and it was deemed that neil would be the ideal first human being to go back his involvement in the incident has never been fully explained neil welcome back to the customs office
1: i'm i'm slightly apprehensive (laughs) to be back here uh, you know after the incident uh, and to to see the um, the state the the island is in, and, and I'm happy to see from what I can see so far that it's uh, it's back to a fairly normal state.
0: Yes, we've uh, the the basic infrastructure for uh, human life has been uh, reestablished.
1: That's that's comforting, considering I'm going to spend a little time here.
0: Yeah, I I think it's going to be uh, a very interesting time. You'll be able to see it up close, and uh, and um, potentially highlight some issues to uh, make better for uh, the guests to come.
1: And I won't have to spend my time clearing up after previous guests, which which again is, is quite uh, refreshing.
0: Indeed, we are at a sort of a clean state is probably the safest way to say it. Are you looking forward to your time away? To, to relax a little bit?
1: Yeah, yeah, I am actually. It's been a busy few years. Since, uh, since the incident and since my hiatus from the island and, and various other things, it will be very good to, to sit down for a little bit and, and focus on some more internal aspects of life, shall we say, since I will be very limited as to what I can do and deal with on the island. So
0: the rules are five items, five must-have items. A website, a podcast, a Twitter feed, a book, and a gadget or device. That is what we're going to talk through between now and the end of the program. And so let's start off with your website. Now, you are allowed Wikipedia. That is available by default. What is the other website that you have chosen to have access to?
1: This, this is quite tough because I tend to not access one particular area. I tend to use social streams a great deal and and I'm very careful of who I follow. And so information that I need, generally speaking, comes through my social streams. But I think the the one site I would need would be imdb.com, internet movie database. Why is that? I think with, with time on my hands, being someone who's a storyteller and loving movies, Um, I'll find myself just going through plots and and storylines and remembering characters and remembering movies that I've loved. And inevitably, I will completely forget some actor's name, some director's name, who did this, who did that, what else he was in. I will see the face so clearly. I'm very visually orientated, so I will see the scene and the face and I'll see everything. And some piece of information will escape me about that, that movie. And, and I, I just won't be able to sleep. It would be like having uh, something on the tip of your tongue. And I won't be able to sleep. I'm, uh, when I'm watching movies, I'm constantly picking up my phone, dipping into IMDb, finding out who that particular character is, where else I saw him, what's he doing now, has he done anything else more recently? And, and it would be such a frustrating time not to have IMDb
0: would it make you feel even more alone and marooned in that you think, oh, that looks like a really great movie. Everyone else is enjoying it and I can't.
1: Oddly enough, no. Um, it, it would create a mental list of what I need to do once I get back home. And I, I tend not to rush out and see movies anyway. I tend to, uh, I very rarely go to the cinema. And living on the North Cornwall coast in in. But almost the middle of nowhere in a little village there are few options within a sensible drive for the cinema anyway there's we have a wonderful uh very small independent cinema called rebel Cin- cinema near Bude, which is a, a fantastic job is a superb experience but it's small and it's a little limited as to the the range of movies it gets so i tend not to go to the cinema too much and i tend not to follow too many trends and and the hyperbole all around a uh, movie promotion so no actually that won't that won't be a problem for me it's
0: more the database aspect of it as to what else have they done I'm sure I've seen them before why Absolutely. did they go from that movie to that movie and then all oh, they went back to that sort of genre of movie it's that kind of thing that interests you
1: yeah it's it's remembering seeing the threads who worked with whom and, and what they did afterwards and did they disappear and do they even have an IMDb listing and, you know, discovering the, the little gems of movies that someone who, you know, well and, and enjoy their work who was uncredited on some movie back in the seventies or something like that. It's finding those little snippets of information. That's, that's the bit that appeals to me about IMDb.
0: I guess you will get some of that information from Wikipedia.
1: Yes. That's true. Some some of that, but IMDb, you know, the ability to to have a consistent interface where you can immediately get to the filmography without any sort of wading through some bits of other other bits of information and seeing recent photographs of, of, of people so that you can actually pinpoint who it is you have in your head or who it is, you, you, the visual image that you have of someone to actually discover what their name is. Because that's part of my problem. I think it runs in my family. Uh, and at my age, I'm getting to that point where I just can't remember people's names quite as well.
0: I, I've no problem with that at all. You can add that into the list. IMDB and Wikipedia are your two websites that will get you through your time on there website's done next podcast which one will it be
1: again a tough one because i don't listen to that many podcasts and i don't have a regular place i would go to for particular pieces of information again because i I gather everything from my social feeds so i thought this might be an opportunity to bring something up from the past that didn't quite go right so my choice of podcast is Pop-Up Chinese, which is a podcast about learning learning uh, Mandarin Chinese, obviously. And this goes right back to when I was in school. I had the option of doing French, German, or Chinese. We, we had to do one language for O-Level. And uh, because I was always a little different and a little quirky, I chose Chinese. And we had... The option of Chinese, because the school's chemistry teacher was fluent in Chinese, had spent time in, in China, and was married to a Chinese woman who used to come in and help with uh, some of the the language learning. The problem was I utterly, utterly failed Chinese O-level. I was terrible at it. Um, and And some of that is down to the fact that I really... Find learning languages very difficult. Whether I'm not wired in the right way or what, I don't know. But I find it very, very tough to learn a new language. It, I also failed abysmally in chemistry, the, the other, the other uh, subject, taught by the same teacher. And he was the kind of teacher where the moment he walks into the classroom and opens his mouth, you just want to fall asleep. I wouldn't say he was a bad teacher. Mm. He just, you know, the type just yeah yeah just you you just not engaged at all and it disappointed me um
0: and do you think that's why you didn't do so well you're blaming you're blaming the way that you're wired but do you feel that maybe it was just the way you were taught
1: and the wired part makes it more of a challenge and it would would have been more difficult for anyone to teach me a language uh that i've discovered since you know in adult life where i've tried to learn snippets of spanish um for spanish holidays and so on um but the the fact that the the two subjects i did the absolute worst at were chinese and chemistry and i was interested in both very interested in both um and yes absolutely the way it was taught was a a huge contributing factor
0: okay so you're hoping that your time in the island will give you time to focus on this She. The, the female presenter of the podcast, 1,300 podcasts to listen to. So it's going to do you quite a long time, isn't it?
1: It is. And and it, not all of them are actually uh, specifically language learning based. There's a lot of um, sort of interviews and discussions and so on and a lot of background. And I, I like the style. I like the, the, the fact that you get a good feel for the language and the culture as well as simply Learning grammatical constructs, if you and uh, different words, mm.
0: so it's more conversational Chinese rather than just co- just on the basics.
1: Yeah, I, I like the idea of being able to actually use a language, being able to converse, and you know, understanding enough to be able to ask someone where the nearest nearest uh, lavatory is is one thing but but having a conversation and being able to interpret the response back and that's something i find with languages is um particularly with with my feeble efforts with spanish is to 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 find the right phrase ask something and then this huge surge of language comes back at you that you 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 don't even decipher one syllable of it um you just hope that it's actually relates in some way to what you've just asked and (laughs) That's basically the way, the way that I survive when I when I go abroad and and, and hope that um, someone knows English. But and, and the other the other aspect of of Chinese again is um, I will be able to to rekindle my official class generated Chinese name, which I remember to this day, unlike most of Chinese which is, uh, I probably won't get the intonations right, so I'll probably be saying something completely different because intonations are very important with, with Chinese. Sun Feng Tian, which, uh, Sun being the surname that I chose, and Feng Tian, which, uh, if I remember correctly, means Phoenix Field, which is, is slightly odd, mm-hmm. to say the least. But um, it had a nice ring to it, I thought. I think it is a
0: perfectly fine name to have. They, they like to do surnames first, don't they? Yes. Do you, do you feel that you will, because you've got no one else to try this out on, to gauge an idea as to whether or not you've got it right or that you're feeling you, you've got the intonations correctly, do you not feel that that would frustrate you?
1: Probably. And particularly with the intonations, And I and I may well leave the island, seek out a Chinese person and inadvertently insult them in in ways that will lead to my utter demise maybe there's a there's a mammal with enough developed uh, vocal cords that i may be able to treat him teach him a few words help me out well yeah it is
0: it is possible after the incident that some of the animals may have extra special behaviors so pop-up chinese is the podcast of choice for Neil Dixon on Desert Island Geek. And we move on to Twitter feed. Who's it going to be?
1: I don't follow a, a great many people on Twitter. I, I'm very, very selective. And I'm very aware that, that social can become a great deal of, of very useless noise. Um, but this feed is one that I started following maybe only a few months ago simply came onto my radar randomly, I think with with retweets. And it's a woman called Karen Janes. Uh, she lives out in uh South Africa, which already gives her a, a slightly unique angle on the world. She's a writer, a playwright, I think. Very witty. And she clearly works hard to manage how she treats her followers on Twitter. Um, she's not someone who broadcasts too much, so, the, so she does get involved in conversations. She has a fair few retweets as well as tweets of her own, but she's selective. She makes me laugh. She makes me smile. She makes me want to go off other places and explore things a little little deeper, subjects that she might post about. She's not overly opinionated. She has doesn't have enormous political or religious views and the one thing that's really important because it's it's one of the things that will when I follow someone on Twitter for the first time it's one of the things that will most commonly have me drop them as, as as someone to follow she doesn't burst tweet so you don't go into Twitter at some point in the day and your entire feed is filled up with 20 or 30 retweets from one person on your feed Mm-hmm. and that, that bugs me. That, I, I know people have limited time, and they can only get to Twitter at certain times of the day, so they do the little burst, but there are plenty of tools out there to manage that, but particularly when it's someone who who posts carefully and curates what they're actually putting onto the feed. Some of it's personal. Some of it's retweets. Some of it's de- de- deliberately trying to make you smile and make you laugh. One of the... Uh, her, My favourite regular tweets of hers is what she calls an underappreciated word. And she'll find some obscure word from the dictionary that you've never heard of that has some really bizarre, quirky meaning. And those always make me smile.
0: I've got one here from her website. Vibrissa, which is a tactile bristle as a cat's whisker. So that there kind of you gives go. you gives you an idea of
1: yeah. There you go. Absolutely one the, wonderful.
0: One of the words of the day. I've I've had a look at her Twitter feed to obviously check it for entry or d- uh, disallowment from the island. She does like you say. It is quite a wide variety of bits and pieces, but they all seem joined together and not much of a surprise. They're they're all around a certain number of things. Yeah, there's no sort of surprises. It's almost like her brand is intact, even if she's retweeting other people uh, as well as saying stuff herself. So,
1: yeah, absolutely. Th- yeah, she, she's as I say, she she carefully curates what she put, puts puts up, and I think I feel I, I have no idea. I wouldn't know unless I actually communicated and had a good discussion with her. But I feel that what she chooses to retweet and tweet says something about her. Just a little bit. I mean, whether that is the real her or, or the brand she creates, that's fine. It can be we all have brands to some extent. But she's consistent. She consistently makes me smile or makes me laugh or, or or makes me intrigued at something. And she never disappoints. And yeah, it's 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 one of those reliable faces to see in the Twitter feed. Oh she also doesn't change her avatar every five minutes, which confuses. Absolutely confuses me when people do that.
0: Well, that won't be an issue on the island because you can only follow the one person, so um, that won't be a concern. I'm not quite the the Twitter feed is a new rule within the customs office here, and I'm not quite sure whether to allow links to be followed on Twitter feeds yet, or whether or not you'll be able to. You, you'll only be able to read what comes up in the tweet. In which case, her actually putting those words in her tweet is obviously quite good for you rather than just saying, go to the website and have a look at my word of the day.
1: Well, you've just, you just highlighted another positive about how she manages her feed in that I don't feel I need to click on and go somewhere else to explore something unless I choose to do so. It is encapsulated within the feed.
0: I'm going to allow that one through as well. So a clean slate so far. Links to everything that Neil chooses will be at desertislandgeek.com slash neildixon. And so you can then click on that and go and have a look at Karen's feed for yourself. So that is a Twitter feed. Still to come, Gadget, but now it's book time. What is your book choice for you to take to the island?
1: My first first thought was to bigger classic you know something that has been with me for, for many, many years. Um, you know probably absolute top of that list would be to kill a Mockingbird. But I found once I started thinking about it, I thought, no, actually there's been some more books which more recently which have had a significant impact on me creatively and have have helped to steer some of the the writing that I have done. And probably the the most impactful has been Clive Barker's The Great and Secret Show. Uh, I'm a bit of a, a latecomer to Clive Barker's writing. I've been, I've been a fan of the Hellraiser series of movies since since they, 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 they began. So I've been aware of the kind of, of work and the kind of mind behind the work that he pushes out, but only fairly recently into his books. And The Great and Secret Show has that... That wonderful balance that he's able to create between fantasy and horror i'm not a great fantasy reader I'm very much a great horror reader. I like very uncomfortable horror I like horror that will make me squirm a little he's able to do that and balance it out with a level of of color and and an ability to uh, describe such fantastical things that it's, I think that's the only way to describe it. They, they are so outworldly and otherworldly that if he went into too much detail, you'd get too wrapped up in in, 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 in the finer points of something that you, that doesn't exist and cannot exist and you cannot conceive anyway. And if he has too little detail, you'd make too much up in your own head. And he gets the balance just so beautifully right and this this particular story well, had always apparently been been the first of three he wanted a trilogy and it was many years until he wrote everville which is the sequel and he's still uh, despite this one coming out uh good few years ago he still hasn't written the third and it's only fairly recently he's started to suggest that he's ready to write the third in that series and and I'm terribly excited to actually read the third book. I think it was 1989 it came out. So it's, it's, it's been around a little while. Yes, I read the first one. I read the second one, Everville, which goes into more detail. So the, the story behind it, it centers on, on a, a character called uh, Randolph Jeff, who works in the Dead Letter office in the USA. And he discovers that there is a secret society known only as the Shoal, who practice a form of magic known as the art. And it sounds very mysterious, and and we follow his discovery journey as he uncovers who the show and what the art is. And we never really fully understand any of it. We get pieces of information as Jaff puts things together. Uh, And he discovers different worlds and and the most incredible creatures and, 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 and people on his journey. Um, some of them very, very unpleasant, to say the least. And uh, it's one of those few books where I really found it difficult to put it down. I, I was up late at night just reading, 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 reading. And it, it's, that's very rare for me.
0: And I'm assuming you want it in paper form. You do have the ability to uh, have an e-book. But I'm assuming you would prefer it in paper.
1: Now you see,'m I'm, I'm very much on the fence because I love both sides of this. I love the, the ease and the flexibility and the convenience of ebook, but there is still something about paper. There is the smell of a book and the feel of a book. I'm not one for hardback books. I find them just just too big and cumbersome and heavy. So I like a paperback uh, and just just holding it in the hand, and yes, yeah, it would have to be printed in this case.
0: Okay. You didn't fancy taking one of your own stories with you to the island.
1: Oh no, because I'd have to i have to I'd I'd end up finding something that I wanted to edit because they really uh, a story's never finished. It's just you just stop working on it and just let it go.
0: Frozen and, in time.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, you kind of you kind of just have to let go of it at some point because I think any story can just be can be worked and worked and worked and worked and worked. And no, I, I would discover something, some little thing that I want to change, and it would that would frustrate me.
0: Okay. Clive Barker's The Great and Secret Show, yet published 1989, part of the Art Trilogy series. That is your book. Your final thing that you can take onto the island and get through the customs office here is a gadget or device.
1: And it's one I have in my hand right now that was
0: Uh, one of my questions do you already have one
1: yes absolutely i have one and it is simply the most useful little thing is probably the single object i use more than anything else that i own
0: does it make a noise so the audience can play along and see if they can guess what it is
1: well i guess yeah there's some that's me unfolding it
0: be careful uh, (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm not unfolding any blades. There we go. And it has a little key ring. Little key ring so I can always have it with me.
0: Okay, so what is your gadget?
1: It is a very small multi-tool called a Gerber Dime. And made by Gerber, obviously. And is is very typical multi-tool configuration. It has it has a scissors, a couple of blades, screwdrivers, a little file tweezers, pliers, and, of course, a bottle opener. But it's, it's its it's size that makes it so useful. I can always have it with me, either in a pocket or dangling from a belt. It's only, um, what is it, about three to four centimetres long and a centimetre and a half wide. And yet it has all these tools. They are, They are very, very well made. All the tools are extremely useful and usable. And my one is, is scuffed something terrible. The edges of the outer casing are starting to round off because it's been used so much. I adore it. I absolutely adore it. The only problem being, being its size is that I will mislay it for weeks on end, even months on end. And it usually turns up again when I'm just at the point where I'm thinking I need to get a replacement. At that point, it'll, it'll, I'll just pick up a pair of trousers and out it will fall from a pocket at some point. And one of its most useful tools that I've never seen on anything like this before is a retail packaging opening knife.
0: And it does say it includes a unique blade designed to safely cut and score plastic packaging.
1: Yes, and I use it on on pretty much anything retail-wise as well because you won't dig too deep with the blade. It's wonderful.
0: I'm having a look at the technical specs. Nine grams, so yes, I can imagine you could quite easily lose it without thinking that you have lost it, feeling that it must be in your pocket, and then you tap your pocket and it's not there anymore.
1: I think on the island I will have to secure it to myself with a, a long chain or or maybe um, you know, a, str- a length of vine, which I'll be able to cut quite easily using the dime, of course.
0: Yeah, I think eventually... Probably your belt will perish. You will be forced to use a vine as a belt, and you'll have to tie that as part of part of your uh, belt combination.
1: But of course, as a result of the dime, I will need to. Oh, I would be able quite easily to to form anything I need on the island.
0: It is a very practical tool, mm-hmm. um, and so I must allow it for that. But it does leave you thinking: Is there nothing that would be more luxurious?
1: Well, the, my first thought was actually a good razor because there's nothing like a, a good wet shave, a proper one, a single blade, um, none of this fancy multi-blade rubbish, but a good proper shave that you need to work with a little bit. And I had one this this very morning, actually, and it feels terrific. But then I had to use the Gerber to open a bit of packaging a little a little after that, and I thought, no, no, it has to be this. I mean, I realise on the island I'm not going to be getting Amazon Prime deliveries, but... Uh, no. It, just the sheer... Well, like I say, it's it's the one object I use more commonly than anything else I own.
0: Okay. The Gerber Dime. Reviews are saying it is stiff to use. Have you found this?
1: No. Oh. What kind of what kind of wimp finds something something like this stiff I mean it's I would say it's is stiff enough so that it doesn't um, open when it shouldn't which frankly for a tool that has blades and and all kinds of pieces of metal that can catch is a good thing when it's sat in my pocket or dangling on a dangling from my belt I mean the last thing I want is a blade popping open or something
0: so with those five items, you're still feeling confident that it will be a good time?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm hoping for a little a little good surf while I'm on the island. You know, maybe there's a nice break with a, with a nice wedge. And obviously I didn't say uh, to bring a, a surfboard or a bodyboard, but I can fashion a hand plane with my Gerber dime from a piece of wood or maybe a particularly large coconut. Mm-hmm. and and do some body surfing
0: I understand the coconuts have been growing quite large recently so yeah
1: excellent, yeah I could use them for shoes, hats and body surfing
0: yeah, I reckon okay, well I'm going to allow all of those five things through some very good justifications to them I wish you a pleasant stay on the island
1: I'm looking forward to it um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll Discover some leftover bits and pieces from from previous visitors. Oh, there has to be, there has to be some magical items left over somewhere. I mean, even if they have been, shall we say, changed by what happened.
0: Fantastic, Neil. Thank you for joining me on the desert island. I hope you do have a pleasant stay, and lovely that you will be going there to um, check things out for us. Wonderful. I'm, I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. This programme was produced and presented by Matt Wade. To listen to previous episodes, either subscribe in iTunes, your podcast app of choice, or head to desertislandgeek.com. To get in touch with the programme, if you want to take part, have a comment, or want to suggest a geek for a future podcast, drop us a message in a bottle to customs at desertislandgeek.com.